0: So we're continuing this morning in our series through the gospel of Mark and we are in Mark chapter 6 beginning in verse 30. Mark chapter 6 verses 30 through 56. So please turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 6. Beginning in verse 30. Hear now the eternal living word of God. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Immediately... and moved moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, and countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. This is the word... Of the Lord. And so last week. We, we talked about the kingdom of self. And how it contrasts with the kingdom of God. And we, we looked at the death of John the Baptist. At the hands of Herod and, and Herodias his wife. And how they were controlled by selfish desires. But that's really the issue. With leaders in everyday <coughs> in age. They ultimately rule with their own self-interests in mind. This was frequently the issues with the kings of Israel. They were given over to sin and idolatry because they gave in to their own selfish, sinful desires. Our leaders today rule this way. Leaders throughout all of history. Herod clearly ruled this way. The scribes and the Pharisees ruled this way. They all really only care ultimately about themselves. But God promised to provide a different kind of king. One of the themes that was promised about the Messiah in the Old Testament was that he would be a shepherd king. He would provide for the needs of his people and protect his people. It was promised that the Messiah would be a good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. A good shepherd who loves his sheep and cares for them. Our passage this morning tells us The stories of more miracles performed by Jesus. And as he performs these miracles, as the gospel, according to Mark, moves forward, Jesus reveals more about himself to the people. He reveals more about himself to his disciples, to you and I. And as he continues to reveal more about himself in the kingdom of God and perform miracle after miracle, everyone is wondering, including his disciples, who is this man? And so this morning, through these miracles, Jesus reveals that he is the shepherd king who provides for and protects his people. To enter the kingdom of God is to be cared for and loved by Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Our first miracle in this passage is the feeding of the 5,000. And it begins with the return of the apostles from being sent out by Jesus, and they were given his authority. In verse 30 it says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So they were performing miracles in the name of Jesus in teaching. And so then in verse 31, Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So the Apostles return, they report to Jesus, they've been casting out demons and healing the sick, preaching the gospel. And Jesus tells them to get away, get some alone time, some rest away from the crowds. But this quiet time for the disciples was not to be. Verse 33 tells us, now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And so the fame of Jesus continues and, and now through the ministry of his disciples And so when Jesus reached the shore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And so a great crowd is waiting for them when they get off the boat. And Jesus had compassion on them because they were like like sheep without a shepherd. The people of Israel had religious leaders that didn't care for them. They only cared for themselves. The scribes and the Pharisees neglected the people. They weren't seeing to their spiritual needs. They weren't teaching them what they needed to be taught. They were leaving the people spiritually malnourished. And Herod, the king who was placed over them by the Romans, was a cruel tyrant. He had no concern at all for the well-being of the people. His only concerns were his own power satisfying his own sinful desires looking good in front of his powerful friends he was only concerned about himself the people of israel were like sheep without a shepherd and now mark using this phrase sheep without a shepherd it actually comes from numbers 27 verse 17 and in the original passage in the the book of numbers moses had just been informed by god that he wouldn't be permitted to lead the people of israel into the promised land because of his disobedience. Then Moses called on God to appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep that have no shepherd. And the immediate fulfillment of that request was Joshua, the one chosen by God to lead his people into the promised land. And Mark now is alluding to this to once again show us that Jesus is the one to lead God's people into the ultimate (coughs) promised land. He brings about the new exodus and he leads his people into the new heavens and the new earth. And so Jesus recognizes that his people were without a shepherd. He has compassion on them and he began immediately to fulfill their spiritual hunger. It says he began to teach them many things. Jesus first fulfills their spiritual needs. He's modeling pastoral ministry. The primary need of all people is spiritual. God has given us his word to feed us spiritually. The people of God are sheep, and Jesus Christ is our shepherd, and he feeds us. He provides for our every spiritual need through his word. And here in this passage, Jesus, the word incarnate, feeds his sheep through teaching Of the word. And so Jesus was teaching into the evening. Then in verse 35 and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The disciples were concerned about this great crowd of people because it was getting late and they were in the middle of nowhere. So they suggest to Jesus that he send the crowd away and that they can go into the local countryside and villages and get something to eat. But Jesus responds to their request in a surprising way. In verse 37, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. And this is actually an imperative in the Greek. Jesus is commanding them to feed the people. You give them something to eat. And they respond with disbelief. Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? 200 denarii would have been about eight months worth of wages at that time. There are thousands of people there. And some commentators have suggested that when the text says 5,000 men, it doesn't mean 5,000 people total, so that women and children were not included in that number. So it could have been upwards of 10, 15, 20,000 total people. Jesus is telling his disciples that they are to feed them. He's commanding them to do so. So it may seem reasonable on the surface to question Jesus about this. But they were showing a lack of faith. At this point, the disciples have seen Jesus cast out demons, even a legion of demons, simply by commanding them. They've seen Jesus heal the sick, commanding a crippled man to rise up and walk, and he did commanding a dead girl to rise from the dead, and she did. They've seen him even command the wind and the sea to be still, and they obeyed. And they themselves now, in his power, in his authority, have just returned from their own mission, casting out demons and healing the sick in his name. They know of his power. They know he is capable of astounding miracles. But they lack faith in this moment. They they fall right back into practical thinking. And you and I often resemble the disciples in this way. How often has God provided for you? How many times has God given you exactly what you needed at exactly the right time? But how often do you still worry about your problems? How often do you still think about the practical solutions and how they won't work? (laughs) Instead of going to God in prayer, trusting that he will provide, the first place you should go is to the Lord. Knowing that Jesus Christ, your good shepherd king, loves you and he will take care of you. Now God often uses practical means to care for us, but Jesus has commanded you not to worry, to trust in him. He is the good shepherd. He will provide for all your needs. And so in response to his disciples, Jesus says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Five loaves and two fish to feed thousands upon thousands of people. And Jesus, in his compassion for the people, having already fed their souls through his teaching, is now ready to perform another miracle. Feeding 5,000 plus people from five loaves of bread and two fish. So starting in verse 39, he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. So they sat down in groups, and they, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all. The setting of this story has clear parallels to a similar miracle in the Old Testament. First, by splitting the groups into hundreds and fifties, it's reminiscent of the way that. God's people were organized in the Exodus. Then in Numbers 11, when the people of Israel were in the wilderness after the Exodus, the people were unhappy with their circumstances at that time. They were complaining. They were saying they had it better in Egypt as slaves. And they were thinking about the good food they had back then. But God had provided them with manna to eat. He was providing for their physical needs, but they were tired of it. They'd forgotten the oppression that they suffered under Pharaoh. They, they were ready to trade in their freedom for a few hot meals. And so Moses asked God for help. And God promised that the next day he would provide the people with meat enough for a month. So much meat that would come out of their nostrils and they would be loathful of it. And God delivered on his promise. Bringing huge flocks of quail to the Israelite camp. They had more meat than they could consume. They were feeding a great multitude is an easy task for an all-powerful God. So Mark here is showing us that Jesus is the second Moses. He's a greater Moses. He delivers God's people in the new Exodus. And he feeds them himself as a shepherd. Moses appealed to God to feed the people. Jesus is God. He feeds them himself. He's the greater Moses. He brings about a greater exodus. He is the good shepherd who provides for the spiritual and physical needs of his people. And so Jesus said a blessing, broke the bread, divided up the fish, and gave it to his disciples. Here we see him foreshadowing the Last Supper, where he will have his disciples before the night before he is killed. He's the good shepherd who has compassion on his sheep. He loves his sheep, and he lays down... His life for you. And Jesus' is contrast to Herod, what we read in the previous section. Herod, a king who cares nothing for God's people, a king who only cares for himself. He only wants to satisfy his own desires, look good in front of his friends, and he's willing to kill a holy and innocent man over nothing. But Jesus cares for his people. He cares for your souls. He satisfies your physical hunger, He is the good shepherd king providing for all of your needs. But the feeding of the 5,000 is not the only miracle Jesus performs on this day. Starting in verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. So Jesus tells his disciples to get into a boat, go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee before him. And then while he dismisses this large crowd, and he goes on to a mountain by himself to pray. We see this Jesus is a man of prayer. It's recorded that he is praying all throughout his ministry. And this time he prays into the night. And his disciples were out on the sea in a boat, and he was on the land by himself. And he looked out, and in verse 48, he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. So Jesus sees his disciples struggling. They weren't getting very far in their attempt to cross the sea. The wind was blowing against them, preventing them from crossing. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So the fourth watch of the night would have been sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., or as we would say, it it was the middle of the night. The disciples had been trying to cross the sea for hours, and when it looked like they weren't going to make it, Jesus came to them, walking on the sea. Now, it sounds odd. It says he meant to pass them by. But again, Mark is giving us another Old Testament allusion here. In the book of Exodus, chapter 33, when Moses asked God, please show me your glory, the Lord eventually sent to him. While my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God says multiple times in that passage of passing by Moses, causing his glory to pass him by. And this is what's happening on the Sea of Galilee with Jesus and his disciples. The glory of God is shining through the humanity of Jesus. He is manifesting the glory of God to his disciples. In the middle of their struggle, when it looked like they weren't going to make it, the disciples looked up and the glory of God passed them by in the person of Jesus Christ. Again, he's revealing his power over the elements, simply walking on top of the sea. And when his disciples saw him, they thought it was a ghost. They, they were scared, actually. They were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now, the translators do a bit of a disservice here. They disguise the fullness of what Jesus is saying. The Greek translated as it is I is ego, amen. It, this is literally translated as I am. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it was called the Septuagint. The Yahweh, the covenant name of God, is translated as "ego, amen." I am. Jesus is revealing to his disciples walking on the water that he is Yahweh. Do not be afraid. I am. Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh. He's come to shepherd his people to care for their physical and spiritual needs. He is the Almighty, all powerful. God and there's nothing he can't do and Mark tells us why Jesus revealed himself to his disciples at this moment starting in verse 51 and he got into the boat with them and the winds ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves but their hearts were hardened even with the miracle of the loaves and the fish earlier that day the the disciples still didn't understand who Jesus was. Their hearts were hardened. He is now revealing to them that he is Yahweh. He is the great I am. He has come to shepherd his people. He will not abandon you in your time of need. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and all of us that he is the same God that delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. He brought them into the promised land. He has come now to bring about the new exodus that he has promised And he will bring us into the new heavens and the new earth. He won't abandon you. You need to trust in him. You need to rely on him in your need. But they don't see it. Their hearts were hardened. And so when your own sinfulness and and the sinfulness of those around you bring you to a standstill, when it feels like no matter how hard you try and the winds of life are blowing against you and you can't make any headway, the creator of all things, the almighty God himself, your good shepherd, loves you. Jesus is the shepherd king who loves you and has compassion on you. He cares for you deeply, and he will always provide for what you need. He will protect you from the storms and difficulties in this life according to the sovereign good will of God. And so you can remember that Jesus is God. He is the all-powerful God, and he is always with you. The fullness and the glory of God dwell in Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. He is your God and your king, and he loves you beyond comparison. And so you can trust in him in every situation in your life, no matter how difficult it may be. He is with you. He is in control. And so at the end of this passage, they finally make it to the other side. Starting in verse 54. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him. And they ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And whenever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment And as many as touched it were made well. Mark now continues to show the depth of the need for Jesus. As soon as they get to the shore, people from everywhere were were bringing out their sick to be healed. Jesus, in his love and his grace for them, healed them. The need for Jesus will not end until he returns, until he comes and makes all things new. And until then, you and I live in a world with sin and the consequences of sin, and the constant need for Jesus. There's not a time when you should ever stop bringing Jesus to the people in your words, in your actions, and spreading the gospel and loving people as he's commanded you to do. And he is with you as you carry out his mission. And he loves you with a love that is beyond anything you can imagine. And he calls you to trust in him in every circumstance, Because he is the good shepherd king who provides for your every need and he protects you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we gather before you this morning knowing our great need of you, our great need of your son, in our salvation and in our everyday daily lives. And so we come to trust in you. Bring us, Lord, that we can put aside selfishness, put aside unbelief, put aside our hardness of heart and open our hearts and minds to you. That we would recognize that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to lay down his life for us and that he is our good shepherd who will provide for our every need, who will protect us in every circumstance, who will love us with a love for the rest of eternity. And so, Lord, we give ourselves over to you our wills, our desires, the whole of our lives, we are in your hands and in the hands of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.